Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love, which alters when it alteration finds, or bends with the remover to remove. Oh, no, it is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark, whose worth's unknown, although his height be taken. Love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error, and upon me proved, I never writ, nor no man ever loved. Welcome to Outside of a Dog's Sonnet Fortnight, where we discuss why Shakespeare's sonnets are actually really good. Welcome back to our next sonnet in our mini-episodes about Shakespeare. This one is another classic that has been repeated and quoted so many times, Sonnet 116. So, Jonas, this is probably why you chose this one, right? It's so good because it's so well-known. Well, partly I chose it because it is so well-known. It is a classic, often read at weddings, though I suspect that is mainly because it begins Let me not to the marriage of true minds. And everyone sees, oh... Marriage, and it's Shakespeare, so it has to be good, so let's just read that. And they don't really question what the content of the sonnet is. Also, I chose this because um, our friend Lena said, Oh, this is my favorite, you have to talk about this one. And I wanted to do her that favor, even though I absolutely hate this sonnet. Why is that? Because it sucks in every way. That is the perfect argumentation. So see you all tomorrow. For, no, 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 please. It's such a horrible view of love. And especially imagining this in the context of a wedding just freaks me the fuck out. This is such a toxic view of what it could be like for people to live together in a romantic relationship. This is an expression of an idea of love that has poisoned the West for centuries by now, and it has destroyed so many lives, and I abhor it. So, why is that? As I said, most people see, oh yeah, it has marriage in the first line, don't really inquire further and just have it read at the wedding. But listen what he actually says. He says that love is constant, that it is not altered. Ironically, this sounds very much like the speech that Julius Caesar gives just before people stab him 23 times. That should give you a little indication. Also, he says... It is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. So, if there's ever any problem, love just stays the same. Oh, and if there's a problem in your relationship, and you maybe question your love, and it's a bit shaken, oh, that must be, it's not true love. Oh my god, that's really bad. I'm 26 years old. But even I have learned that that is not really what love is about. Love is about making things work. And love is also about sometimes deciding, yeah, this doesn't work because there are just too many tempests. There are just too many things that don't go right. But this idea that love has to be eternal, this idealization of romantic love as the highest thing you can achieve, which, of course, is what sonnets are all about. So complaining about a sonnet that praises love as the best thing in the world might be kind of redundant, but this one is one of the worst offenders. This gives people unrealistic expectations, and people who go through life thinking that love is like that will be very, very unhappy. 
Well, so far, this speaks more about your issues with commitment and relationships rather than the quality of the poem. But I agree, it is somehow surprising to read this poem, especially at this position here, after we've heard so much about sonnets that deal with the end of love, with the despair that you feel when faced with that. And now suddenly love, which was a more dubious and ambiguous thing before, is such a constant thing. I give Shakespeare the benefit of the doubt here. I think that this is more a kind of invocation. This is almost like a magic formula. This is him trying to convince himself, maybe, that love is still a great thing and that you can endure all kinds of odds and hindrances that somehow love will prevail. I don't think you have to interpret love here as the concept of love in a certain relationship. I think it is more about the concept in general, that love, no matter what the circumstances are, will always be an option. That love is always there, no matter how the world will crumble. It's not necessarily about that you will have to find true love in order to somehow make it all work. It's more about that concept is there. And no matter how bleak the circumstances are, sometimes you have to remind yourself of that. But then it comes to the heroic couplet again, this distillation of what the sonnet really is. If this be error and upon me proved, I never writ, nor no man ever loved. So he's basically saying, if I'm wrong with this, then everything is null and void that I've written. And that is a real possibility here. That is not someone who's saying, well, I'm so certain that I will wager this and that means that I'm right, right? This could also be someone who says, well, I put it all out there and hopefully I'm right. Otherwise, it doesn't make much sense, right? But then no man ever loved. Yes, even if love is not perfect, it is love. And saying, oh, it's not love if it's not perfect, that is the really toxic thing about it. But put yourself in the position of someone who has just been left or who is in a relationship with some dark lady, which is, in your eyes, more obsession rather than love. Well, maybe then you doubt whether such a thing as love really does exist. So, again, I think there is more ambiguity to this than you might think at first glance. The one thing I will allow this poem is that here he at least says, Love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. So, whereas before he always said, oh, your beauty is fading, and oh, hopefully I can preserve it in my poetry. Here he says, yeah, you know, even if your beauty has faded... Love stood sh still endure. That is the only nice thought I can really find in this. Other than that, I would say this poem should be discarded. And if I ever attend any of your weddings and anyone reads this poem, I will walk out. So no one invite Jonas to their weddings anymore. To be honest, I might be fine with that as well. That doesn't apply to you, uh, former guest of the podcast, Olo Plaschka, because I am invited to your wedding and I totally plan on attending. But you know what upsets me most about this? I think Shakespeare got it right earlier. I think there's another sonnet that describes a view of love that I find a lot more positive, that I can identify with a lot more. So we're jumping back for our next episode and come back tomorrow for Sonnet 56. Thank you very much for listening. For more information, visit outsideofadogcast.com.